Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? Actually, I'm so good. Let me tell you about my day yesterday. Please do. Please do. Well, so I went to school with this guy in high school, like years and years ago. Like I've been out of school for 10 years. We were those people who we were friends and we were also viciously argued. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, and over the years, like, we'd kind of keep in contact after school. And then, you know, like, it's been years. And the last few times I've been in the area where he lives, I'm like, hey, we should catch up. And he just never replies. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. We don't talk anymore. It's all right. I well, get it. You viciously argued through high no, no, school. No, but so. then we came good. Then we came good after school. Anyway, yesterday I'm walking to class and I get this message. And he's like, Shari, do you pray for me? Or have you ever prayed for me? I was like. Who's Sherry, yes, by I do, the way. and I have. Nobody, oh, yeah. nobody on Faith FM knows who okay, Sherry is. Many. <laughs> but yeah, and I was like, yes, I do, and yes, I have. I mean, when it pops into my head, I don't, you know, say. Yeah, which led to this whole conversation. And so last night I was just like, oh, man, I want to tell you all of the things. Um, he's trying to study the Bible, but he finds it very difficult to read. Like he struggles Did you go to, to a anyway. Christian school or not? No. Okay. Hard no. It was public school. Yep. And um, he was very anti-religion in high school. But then he kind of- This is part of your debates when you're in high school? Yes. Okay. And for context, I was also the Christian who was a terrible person. Like I really wasn't a Christian. So I was someone who probably didn't help with the whole outlook of <laughs> Oops. poor religion, which I'm not proud of, by the yeah. way. Like, But yeah, and so last night we just went through this whole thing. He's like, people keep talking about Jesus coming again. How do you even know that's a thing? And so I was like, <gasps> well, I'm not <laughs> telling you what you, you believe, but. And so I just gave him a really, really basic gist of Daniel, like some of the prophecies. Uh-huh. I sent him a photo on one of your slides about how the two, seven, eight, and nine kind of connect. And then we just talked about briefly. Anyway, it was this this Jesus conversation that I haven't been able to have with him for years. And I've been getting real discouraged. I'm like, Jesus, I'm not even sharing with anyone apart from the radio. But it's not the same. Yes. Anyway, so I woke up this morning. No, it's like, the same. Thank you, Jesus. Like, it was just, yeah, it was just a blessing of God because it had nothing to do with me. He just literally out of the blue messaged me. And so I'm like, oh, let's talk about this. And does he live anywhere in the local? No. Okay. No, he's, I don't even know, somewhere in Queensland. Okay. Yeah. That's a big state. But we have technology. We do. We do. Absolutely. So we don't need to worry about that anymore. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Positive news. Yes. So in Victoria, in a place called Indigo, yeah, Indigo Valley, a mysterious biscuit fairy has been leaving some sweet treats for residents to bring some joy to their day. Nice. I know. Who doesn't love that? Yeah. Like free food. Don't know who it's from, but it's still there. Anyway. And, and, and it's biscuits. Exa- exactly. They're biscuits. The thing, when I was reading it, it went between telling me it was cookies and biscuits, and I was like, but we're in Australia. That's right. So we eat biscuits. Bickies. No, no, Bickies. 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 That's it's the Bickies. one. Um, yeah, so basically in this little community, there have been hundreds of these homemade biscuits that have dropped off with an uplifting note, which pretty much says a little something to brighten your day, made with love and sent to say, we miss you and hope you're doing okay. Which That's is just nice. super lovely, right? So how big of a community is this? Like how many people live in this town? Uh, Region, look, whatever it is. I don't know. I've not heard of this place. Um, I don't know if it's... Um, it's well, Indigo Valley. Indigo Valley. Yeah, okay. Liam's onto it. He'll find so out. Is this for a us. suburb of Melbourne, or is no, this no. a? Oh, okay, I don't know. Little I'd, place out in the bush. It can't be massive, but they are in lockdown. But then all of Victoria is, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. To some extent, yeah. Some of it's in stage four. Some of it's in stage. Okay, here we go. Indigo Valley population five hundred and sixty-one. 
I was gonna, I was gonna Wait, read that total? as five hundred total. Oh, that's teeny. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's at Aubrey Direction, so it's kind of up near the border. Oh, okay. So it's a t- bit, bit tiny. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. Okay. So the community is rather tight knit, and so the the restriction the restrictions have been frustrating. But people have been putting up photos of these bickies, right? Like they're having a hot drink, and they've got their biscuits. They're you know just. The kids are playing, and, and they're never found. Who does it? No, and they want to know, and That's a they have person. sort of wondered about a couple of people, but uh-huh. they don't know. Uh-huh. But um, one of the residents said, "You know, this person they must be going pretty flat out because every pack has at least ten biscuits in it." Okay, like that's a solid amount of like chocolate chip. I don't know, but even just anything like flour, chocolate chip, just like anything that you're going to make with that, like you're spending a fair bit of time cooking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like anyway. So the mystery, this mystery even prompted one resident to call ABC's Goulburn Murray radio station with a tip-off that's yet to be verified. Oh, yeah, Because okay. they want to know. Um, and then... So this person must be getting around like 3.30 in the morning or something or other, you know, when everybody's like sound asleep. But surely, yeah, surely they'd they wake they'd... up a dog or trigger a... I guess Indigo Valley I don't know, but I guess place, if it's a small gonna place, you might just know people's schedules a bit more. Not in a weird way, but if if you know a bunch of people, yeah, yeah small you, community. I don't know. Like you that. could have been there your you, whole life, and you, you just, live in a small community. You do know each other's business. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Or maybe there's a little team of people. I don't know. But if it was a team, it would be too easy for it to leak out. Oh, I don't know. I think if you're going if to do something secret, team, you just have to have like tell not a soul. Yeah, that's true. Just like it's me. I don't don't tell a soul. But you'd be surprised what people can keep secret. When I, when it's anonymous joy that you're bringing, my my my, uh, my prediction is that this will not stay secret forever. No, no. I think the Indigo Valley yeah. sleuths will be out there um, practicing their Sherlock Holmes's skills, mm-hmm. and they're going to track this person down. And there's going to be a development to this story. That's my prediction. Okay. So when the development comes through, hopefully we will. Hear hopefully about we'll it. know. But yeah, people are just super thankful for that. I, I'm, you know, I'm just, just super glad that somebody's doing something nice and it's being talked about. Probably world over now. It's definitely been talked about Australia-wide. Yeah, absolutely. I actually love, like, finding little Australia stories. I reckon it's great. Okay, so another story we have for today. So the Royal Botanic Gardens, they're somewhere in the Hunter Valley, I believe. Don't actually know, but I believe that they're in the Hunter region, which is pretty much where we are. So they are helping to create a century garden for a specialist disability group home in Lake Macquarie. Um, so Compass Housing, which is a Hunter-based social and community housing organization organization sorry, is responsible for this project and they began work on the site which is at the moment it's just creating gardens um so they want to grow a whole bunch of stuff they want to grow like your lettuce and tomato and herbs and just bush tucker and citrus all all those fun things and for them the idea is to provide social inclusion opportunities as well as to improve nutrition like and also i just for me look <laughs> for me i get excited about these things because I'm studying primary teaching, and I actually believe every school should have a garden because you can yes, learn most definitely so much. Like you can uh-huh. bring so many subjects into just that. Yes, um, and also it's a very hands-on experience, but it's a practical experience. Like, yes, we are growing things now; we can eat them. Now we can talk about them. Now we can. There's just so much you can do with it. Could not agree more. Both of the schools that I went to, interestingly enough, mm. when I was growing up, both had a garden. Amazing. The best one was in our in, in our primary school. That's mm-hmm. where we had some really serious stuff growing. The one in high school was kind of a bit of a lame attempt to grow some potatoes from memory. <laughs> Brilliant. The, the, the soil there was pretty garbage. It was um, kind of 50% rock. 
Oh, no. But it was small rocks, and there was dirt between the rock, and so stuff would grow, and it was kind of clay, so if you had to add water to it, but it would grow. We yeah. Did, we did grow good but potatoes But not ideal, there. so, oh, well, that's good then. Yeah. But, nah, we didn't have a serious garden. You know what I've taken to? Oh, I don't know if I should do this, but, so we have yuck soil where I live, and so I'm trying to grow a garden, and so I have got some soil in, because someone just sells it real cheap, I neighbor know someone. But I went and dug this whole garden area and it's just yuck, hard, clay soil. So now I'm just like, even if I'm not here, I will make this soil good. So you know how people have their little compost bin things? Yeah, no, nah, I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to dig this straight into the soil. So I just go out and dig my little holes and then just all my food scraps, I just put it in there because I'm like, there's nutrients in there. Absolutely. And the thing with the thing with clay is that it's full of nutrients. Clay yeah. is incredibly nutrient rich. Yep. You've just got to keep the moisture up to it. Yeah. Because when it goes dries out and goes hard, that's it. It's very hard, yeah. It is very hard. But, yeah, so with this um, project that they're developing at the moment, um, yeah, that, and that's what they're looking at. They're saying this is a home for – I'm not sure. It's specialist home for disability support, essentially. Um, and so they're saying it's, yeah, also about creating connection with people and plants, which really most of us just don't have like people did back in the day. Like we just we just don't. Um, and it allows people to connect by the touching, smelling, eating, and it's a new way to deliver contemporary, high-quality specialist disability accommodation. I think this is awesome. Like I'm Absolutely. just like, man, Couldn't do that for more. everything. Yes. Like even if it's not a specialist thing, I it's just one think- of, I, I reckon. Sorry, I butted in, but I reckon it's one of the most therapeutic things, along with yeah. um, going for a walk, yeah. is for your emotional health. Go for a walk, work in the garden. Nothing could be more therapeutic for your emotional health. You're gonna feel health. so good afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you get to eat something out of the garden, because then it's just like yum. It is so different it's from what you buy best. in the supermarket. You actually get to find out what stuff is originally supposed to taste like. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, William Cox, who is uh, former governor of Tasmania and former chief justice. So he's governor from uh, 2004 to 2008, and he was chief justice from 95 to 2004. So, yeah, this is a guy with a bit of credibility. He's been around and done some serious things in his life. Um... And has called on the Australian, uh, sorry, the Tasmanian government to vote down the euthanasia bill mm. uh, that has been put forward by Mike Gaffney. Now, of course, William Cox is somebody who is uh, particularly interested in the plight of suffering people. Um, he is the patron of the homeless service Bethlehem House. Uh, he is also a Christian. He is Roman Catholic, and he says. Uh, to quote here, it is doubtful that the bill can rely on vulnerable people complaining about coercion exerted, for example, by a primary carer. So this is one of the big issues that he's raising right here. Oh. So if you've got a primary, if, if you are somebody who is terminally ill, you have a primary carer and the primary carer encourages you towards euthanasia, of course the bill is against that, as it should be. Aye. But he's like, well, how's that actually going to work in real life? Because the person is sick, they are dying, they are suffering. Are they going to have the energy, the strength or the courage to come out and say, well, actually my primary carer is the one who has uh, encouraged me or pressured me or whatever mm. to, to do this thing? Of course they're not going to say that, particularly if their primary carer is a family member, such as a son or a daughter, which is not uncommon, or a husband or a wife. Yeah. Now, what is also not, and, and this is this is a, a tragedy of our world today, but it's not actually that uncommon for children to kind of 
look forward to their parents dying. Yeah. There are some incredibly selfish people in our world today. And it's like, why don't, you know, it would be better if they were dead and I could just collect the inheritance. And mm. uh, the longer they live, the more of my inheritance they're chewing through. And I mean, how many times do you see uh, brothers and sisters, you know, siblings go to war over a will after the parents have died? I've it's like, what were you thinking about? Well, obviously the main thing that was on your mind, sorry, I'll come back to that. The main thing that was on your mind before your parents died was the money you would get. Yeah. And I've seen, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've seen where siblings fight not even just over the money after their parents died, but they fight over being able to be the carer of the parent so, so that, that they will get more. They can influence the will. Yep, yep. Particularly, I've seen a couple of parents who they're starting to go towards dementia. And so, but they're still, like, they're still, you know, very cognitive and like, but man... So destruct, like the family dynamic, so toxic. And I wasn't even okay. in that family, but just okay. to see, I was like, there are some really, wow. really toxic families out there, and we need to recognize this. And that's not everyone. No, no, no. Yeah. But we need to recognize that these people exist. Mm. And it's not that uncommon. Mm. And so you get a toxic family, and you've got a primary carer who has worked their way into that position so that they can, you know, collect more from the will, whatever. Mm. Um, and they can exert some influence that way. And once they've exerted influence that way, then they can exert some influence, you know, subtly. Uh, in a, they, they can exert that influence without ever using words that could be used in a court of law to convict mm, them. Mm-hmm. So this is really, really dangerous. Yeah. And, of course, uh, if it does happen, how do you prove it? Because the primary witness and possibly the only witness is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are you ever going to prove that? Yeah. Yeah, this is a dangerous slippery slope to be standing on. I'd go further. I would argue that the mere existence of the will is coercion. Oh. Yes. Interesting. Okay, so I think about it like this. My father is a very godly man, Yeah, really loves the Lord. He would never go down this path because of his faith in God and he wants to have his life in, in God's hands. Mm-hmm. But let's say that – but he also is the kind of person who does not ever want to be a burden on his kids. Yes. He just really doesn't. Yeah. And so if the he, he also lives in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. This bill goes through Parliament. The mere fact that the bill exists and the mere fact that it is on the table for somebody who does not want to be a burden to their children, that's already coercion. Interesting. That is already coercion. Because what you are doing is Expand encouraging it. people. Well, you know, don't be a, don't be a burden oh, to your kids. Mm. You can do this not because you want to die, mm-hmm. but because you don't want to be a burden to your family and your children. Mm-hmm. And so, the mere existence of the bill—it's coercion. Interesting. I can. You can't I can oh, yeah, I can kind of see what you're saying when you talk about that. Yeah. Because I've met people who that that's their biggest argument is I don't want to be a burden and not always like there are some. Yeah, their argument isn't mm. I don't want to suffer. I, no, you know, the primary argument isn't that I don't want to suffer or I don't want to, or, or that I or, or that I you know I don't want to live anymore. Yeah. It's that I don't want I to don't be. I don't want to be a burden. Yep. Yep. And how would you feel about it if one of your parents took their own life, mm. so they because they didn't want to be a burden to you? I mean, I love my parents. Mm. Uh, I, I I am happy for them to be a burden. I mean, that's 
that's it's why kind of family. we it's family. Yeah. I mean, seriously, what are we what are we thinking about? What are we even talking about here? Mm. This is family. This is not even something that is negotiable. Don't don't go stressing over being a burden. You are my parents. <laughs> Let me look after you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and of course that takes that opportunity away from the children. Mm. To be able to look after their parents in their old age and I think a lot of children look forward to that opportunity. Mm. You know, the kind of children who look forward to the opportunity to look after their parents in their old age are the kind of children who have parents who don't want to be a burden to their kids. Yeah. You see what happens? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a this is not a good piece of legislation. We do have it in a couple of states already. It is not a good idea uh, from a whole bunch of perspectives. Um, so the uh, just working my way through here. Um, so uh, the uh, premier, state premier, of course, has come out against the bill, written to all of the MPs and saying this is a bad piece of legislation. The bill has had no uh, community consultation and no medical input, and does not require sign off by a specialist in the disease that the person is dying from. That yeah, seems yeah. very strange uh-huh. to me. Mm-hmm. Mm, I just have to think about that for a second. Yep. That's, mm. Okay, so then take it from a Christian perspective. And, you know, you and I are Christians. This is a Christian station. And so we need to look at it from a Christian perspective. Uh, when we take our own life, we take into our hands something that belongs to God. You know, God is the one who should decide when our life ends not us when a person's mm. life ends their opportunity for salvation is over that's their close of probation yeah nobody should be choosing somebody's close of probation other than god i do agree however with that argument you could also then say that you shouldn't ever use medical things to help someone save a life like i know people who've used that argument they're like no we don't need to use the medical system at all because if they're going to die, it's God's will. Do you know what I mean? I do so know what you there's, mean. A, there's a level with that that we need to be a little not careful with, but do you know what I mean? Like I do know what you mean. Yeah. I'd like to address what you, what you oh. just said. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so when you save a person's life, mm. you give them more opportunity for salvation. Yes. And so we can never read a person's heart. We can never know where, where a person is at with God. Mm. Okay, we can never understand that. It's impossible for us to judge. Only God can judge that. Yes. By saving a person's life, we give God the opportunity to continue to, to work. Mm-hmm. By taking a person's life, we cut that opportunity off and we don't know where they're at. Yeah, no, no, and I, yeah, I can cover that. Our job, you know, and, and, this is, and this is a principle that you do find you know, throughout the Bible is the principle of saving life, not taking life. Yes. Um, for that reason. Because we are here to see as many people saved as is possible. Well, I was going to talk about uh, another story here, but it looks like euthanasia took up the whole time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us for weekly update from Oz Table Talk is Luke Ferrugia. Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lyle. Great to be back. Now, of course, Luke Ferrugia does uh, a monthly or weekly, I should say, podcast with Oz Table Talk in which he and a group of mates kind of get together and discuss all of the relevant subjects that there are, you know, things that are happening in our world right now and how it relates to the Bible. And so, yeah, we've had an interesting month over the last month. I'm wondering what kind of subjects you got into. Sure. Uh, well, there was a few. The, the first one was actually... Uh, 
came from one of our audience members, uh, a member, member of our audience uh, reached out to us because uh, a close friend of hers had committed suicide. And she asked the question, Would is it possible for suicide victims to be in heaven? And so we thought we would take that on as a, a topic for one of our episodes. Okay, so this is a really interesting one, and I kind of am disappointed I wasn't there to uh, participate in it um, because you do have, obviously, suicide is a sin. Uh, because yep. you know the Bible says, "Thou shalt not kill." Obviously, sin is something that is forgiven. Obviously, you know God takes into account the circumstances, and in this case, it would be the mental illnesses that are involved. Uh, and I'm just kind of wondering, where did you go in the Bible to talk about this one? Yeah, so we looked at we looked at some examples of of, um, of suicide in scripture. We looked at some of the obvious things, like you referenced, yeah, the, the Ten Commandments. The and one of the interesting things that uh, comes out of when you look at the commandment, you know, thou shalt not kill in scripture. The the word is more accurately translated as murder, right? It is like it is a hate filled thing where you're extinguishing somebody's life. And in this circumstance, I'm really glad that you pointed out um, mental health because that is obviously going to be going to be one of the key contributors to people who do choose to commit suicide, whether it be depression or, or whatever the, the case may be. And often, while I don't believe it is accurate, a, a lot of people who commit suicide do so because they honestly believe that the world would be a better place with them not in it. Mm. Now, uh, based on what we know from Scripture, we know that the Bible clearly teaches that that's not true. Any Anybody that has life and breath in them, that you know, you have the capacity to bring God's love to the world and to worship Him. Yeah, there, there's value in every human life. So, that's not true, but if we if the if a person is in a place where they cannot see past that, I don't believe that God is going to um, you know send them to hell, so to speak, for uh, the for the action if their motivation was at least although misdirected a a positive motivation. Yes. Okay. So, are there are there examples of that kind of situation in the Bible? Yeah. So we talked about a few different examples. We talked about the difference between. Um, we talked about Samson. We talked about Judas uh, as as biblical examples of, of that. And you know, Judas is, is a great example of somebody who committed suicide. But they, the reason was you know the shame that he had. He, he there was no uh, at least as far as we can tell that there was no repentance on his behalf. He betrayed Jesus, and the you know the shame of that caught up with him. And that that's an example of that kind. Whereas Samson on the on the other end of it. Samson, you could say, committed suicide by destroying the the temple. But at the same time, he was, um, yeah, his motives were very different. You could say to to that of Judas or somebody like that. Yeah. So one was totally selfish. The other was totally selfless. You know, yes. and you could you could argue. Yes, I guess we, that- of course we see. Oh, sorry, I was going to say we see Samson later mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews eleven. So you know we know that his life was um, you know um, seen in a different light. Mm, okay, this is a really relevant subject. You know, suicide is such a major problem that we have in Australia. Biggest killer of young people. Um, you know, in a certain age bracket, and something. You know, we've got uh, we've just had uh, are you okay day yesterday. Um, mm. And it's something that we all need to be very aware of, and particularly yeah. for the families. I think this is really relevant for families of um, that, that are grieving, having lost someone through yes. suicide. Uh, makes it really, mm-hmm. really relevant. I'm, I'm glad you tackled that one. Yeah. That's a tough one to mm. tackle. So well done. Mm. Congratulations. 
All right. So just what else before we move on to the next, yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry. Just before we move on to the next one, I just wanted to make mention of the fact that Dave, one of the guys on the podcast, uh, he he lost his dad to suicide as a teenager, and so it was very close to home for the group as well. And so there was some really good insight based on his personal firsthand experience. So for anyone interested in that, they may find that uh, interesting. So, and that's really uh, that that really makes it a much more powerful podcast in that you've got somebody there who's prepared to be vulnerable, and I can't imagine how mm. difficult that must have been for him to be able to share his experience, but um, praise God that he was able to do so. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. So so the next one that we that we tackled was, are we making God in our own image? So we, we often, the Bible often talks about, uh, you know, we look at creation, we see that we are made in the image of God. But the question that we asked is, do we sometimes do the reverse of that? Do we form the God that we think we would like to have rather than the God that is actually there? Right, and so we have a cultural God. Yes, so it's, you know, whatever that may be. And we were talking about how even generations view God very differently, in a sense, are making God in their own image, you know, where you tra- you traverse from generations who typically had a much more authoritarian picture of God to people who have a, you know, less so or a more relatable um quote unquote like a, a more loving friendly sort of god just because that is the the um the common perception of the time but the question that we asked is is that you know is that right to do so is one more accurate than the other or is there something else going on when we see that happening where we we see we tend to build a god that we that is palatable to us and how do we escape how do we escape creating our image of god through the cultural environmental lens that we find ourselves in? Mm-hmm. Well, the conclusion that we came to is somewhat twofold. Number one, there is going to be an element of that that we can't change because ultimately the, the paradigm that each and each individual has is a result of where they were born, the, the uh, influences that were around them. So to a degree, there's a lot of stuff that we cannot control. And one of the things that I mentioned in the episode that I believe that it is, as Christians, it's our duty to try to correct those assumptions. And the only way, the only transcendent uh, information that we have is through Scripture. And so, as we, we we read the Bible and we get to understand God in on His own terms, yes, it is going to be through the lens of the cultures that wrote it. But we can untangle a lot of who God truly is. But the uh, probably what I would say the, the the climax of the episode was the the realization that it's not so much that there are these uh, lots of right and wrong pictures that individuals have of God so much as God is bigger than any individual mind can comprehend. We know we're going to be exploring who God is for eternity, so God is way bigger than what we can grasp. And if that's the case, then it's quite possible that individual societies and individual people grasp different parts of God that are um, – that are what they need for their salvation more so. You know, people like, as an example, I was talking about, for me as a person, I I hold myself to very high standards and that's the kind of person that I am. And so the kind of God that I need is one that accepts me where I am because I'm probably my own harshest critic. And so to me, that, that aspect of God's character I find especially appealing, not that it's exclusively what God is like, but it's the facet that appeals to me the most because it's what I need to get to know him better. And God is big enough to be that for every individual person or society or culture. Yes, yes. Ah, fascinating. All right. So you've done uh, what you've done four podcasts since we last spoke? Um, I think three. I think the fourth one still yet to come out. But the, the third one that we did was 
uh, the title is a bit of an interesting title. It's called The Hidden Half of God's Jealousy. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, you no, had me fascinated with already. I'm like, what is this one going to be about? So we can actually thank our, uh, another audience member for this one. Uh, Vanessa is someone who has been listening to our, our episodes and has been giving us some really positive feedback. And she suggested that we do a, an episode talking about God's jealousy, because God is described as being a jealous God, and yet we are conditioned to think of jealousy as a negative, damaging human emotion. And so how can God be jealous? And so we were talking about in what ways is God jealous and how like, how do we relate to that as Christians? Yes, because te- jealousy, you know, we always think of it in, in a negative perspective because jealousy is something that will tear relationships apart. You can't have a relationship where jealousy exists. It's something that <clears> simply cannot survive you know, long-term jealousy, mm. and yet God says that he's a jealous God. Yeah. So one of the key things that we came, that came out of the discussion is this concept that when God has something that's good and beautiful, then Satan has a counterfeit of that. And so the damaging jealousy that we continue that we continually see in our human relationships is the counterfeit. It is the damaging variety of God's jealousy. And the jealousy that is placed correctly, as in God's, is it is like a lot of things. Truth is often paradoxical, right? There, there are two sides to it. But the God is fiercely jealous of us, but he also fiercely protects our freedom. So he, he desires what's best for us because he knows us better than anybody else, being the creator. And he knows that the very best life for each one of us is one where we are in connection and relationship to him. And so he desires that and he goes out looking for that. He pursues our love. But at the same time, he allows us free choice to reject that. So it is the, it's these two, it's not competing, but the complementary aspects of God that he greatly desires what's best for us. And what's best for us is connecting with him, but he also respects our freedom while doing so. Mm, that's a different kind of jealousy than what we have uh, in relationships, which is, you know, typically a relationship jealousy here on this earth is going to be one which is massively restrictive on freedoms. As soon as jealousy comes into the relationship, uh, the issue yes. of control comes in as well, and as soon as control mm-hmm. comes in, freedom of freedom of uh, freedom of will just goes completely out the window, and love just completely vanishes. Whereas God has uh, managed to maintain both love and jealousy at the same time, and freedom mm-hmm. of choice. Yeah, and the core, and I, and I think you articulated it well, but the, the core of the issue there is that human or uh, or the, the incorrect kind of jealousy is one that benefits the person who is jealous, and godly jealousy is the one that benefits the other party. Oh, good thought, good thought. I really, really like that thought. Uh, so one is selfless, one is selfish. Yep. Big difference yes. right there. Okay, so how do we how do we access these podcasts? We want to hear the full discussion. Um, how do we how do we access these podcasts? You're getting together with what uh, three other mates? Are four of you getting together to have a Bible based discussion on a certain hot Correct. topic? Where do we go? Mm-hmm. Okay, you can you can find all the information on oztabletalk.com.au. That's a u s oztabletalk.com.au. But you can find us on any podcasting application. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Okay, so a u s oztabletalk com.au or uh, any of the podcasting uh, sites. Sounds fantastic. Yes. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. That was Luke Ferugia from Oz Table Talk giving us our monthly update on what the guys have been up to and what they have been talking about. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.